Welcome to today's uh, Engagement Zone podcast. Uh, we've had a brief break uh, as I lost my voice. Um, had an outrageously uh, tickly cough, and then that developed into a, a full, full-blown man flu. Um, feeling better at present, but I, I still got a bit of a lost voice and occasionally coughing. So I will try and take a back seat on this podcast, which is making history today. Before we have not one but two great guests, so we will be engaging in a debate. Um, as usual on this podcast, we we talk about some news up front for posterity. Um, but as, as usual, the main items of the, in the news are, guess what, Donald Trump and Brexit. So I've decided moving forward, we're going to be looking for weekly weird and wacky news stories from all over the world to bring a smile to our faces um, ahead of speaking to our guests. Um, I also want to bring, make this more inclusive, so please feel free to email me or DM me on a, whenever you want, whatever time zone, to make me aware of any such wacky or wonderful news items that aren't Brexit or Donald Trump. Um, so, uh, to our guests today, um, they're fantastic. I, I, I've, I've known I've known about them for years now, and I finally got to meet them both in Las Vegas at HR Tech last month. Uh, they're the lead, leaders of from Concentric, but you might know them from Aon Hewitt, uh, Ken Ola, and Dan Riley. Welcome to the show. Great to be here. Thanks, Matt. Great to be here. Hey, I didn't know that we were going to be speaking about Trump and Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll, I'll I'll keep my comments to a to a very minimum on that. Yeah, no, no, no Trump or Brexit or Trexit. I'm sure you can come up with a word in there or Brump. Um, so, uh, how are you both anyway? Doing quite well. Uh, exciting times for us uh, at, at Concentric as we're uh, getting a lot of tailwinds and, and uh, working with, with clients all over the world. So, so, you know, how did you find yourselves at, at Concentric and, you know, what brought, brought you into the world of work and, and doing what you're doing today? Yeah, well, you know, this is Ken. I'll, I'll jump in. I, you know, my, my personal interest um, started a long time ago. I, I, uh, I'm an organizational psychologist by, by background, um, but, but I've also, uh, I have an undergraduate degree in economics, so I had this sort of combination of business and psychology from a very early uh, start, and I've always sort of been fascinated by why people do what they do uh, in general and, and why people do what they do in work. And, and uh, since people spend so many hours a day in work, uh, it's sort of an, it's been an, uh, an endless uh, fascination for me and my my uh, work in this space and culture engagement employee experiences has just been like sort of a continuing education and I, I think of myself as a continual student of, of employee behavior uh, and organizational culture. Yeah, and you know I'll, I'll add I, I would say one reason why Ken and I get along so so well and are such great partners is I actually came into the business in a very different way. Um, uh, I didn't really have any official background. I spent my first 10 years of my life playing music, touring the country in, in, a, in a van, um, and, uh, and was always very, and always had a passion for technology and a passion for how we, you can use technology to change people's behavior. And so I kind of fell into it by chance and always an entrepreneur at, at heart. Um, and I, I really kind of found my, my, my calling, right? Because to me, Cool tech is just cool tech if it's not used in a, in a responsible way and in a way that can truly make change. So as soon as I started to realize, wow, I, I can build stuff, right? And and I can bring in the people side of what, of what I do. 
and it really changed culture and changed human behavior. Um, you know, it was love at first sight. So I think, um, you know, this is why I'm, I'm in the business I'm in and this is why I will remain in this business. So if I'm touring, touring America uh, in a band and organization, organizational psychology, what, what are you doing for people you work with now? Yeah, so so for the for the people in concentric, is that is that the question, or, or the your, your customers? What 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 focus and what do you what work doing? Yeah, well, so so concentric is we uh, we're really focused on uh, three areas in culture and engagement, leadership development, and HR organization effectiveness and talent strategy. Um, but there, it's bigger than that. I mean, our our whole purpose is to unlock the power of people and teams. And we do this through this combination of people-centric solutions, uh, data-driven insights, and as Dan was mentioning, beautiful, simple technology uh, that helps us deliver these things at scale. Um, and, and so these are really the areas that we're, we're focusing on uh, quite a bit. I, I would say these topics of culture, employee experience, and, and how you align that with business performance in a way that really unlocks the passion uh, of people is is what we're doing so much work with with clients and it, it's a really fast moving uh, space and then not just the measurement or the technology implementation but how do you do this how do you get leaders thousands of leaders in the organizations as your ambassadors of employee experience how do you get your hra function set up to support this journey uh in a new way that's much more employee centric than it has been in the past so, so you, you're re you're really trying to al align the, the impact of experience, engagement, culture, work with the actual business output. Then that's right. I mean, I think it's a it's really kind of a two way street. Whereas um, I mean, most companies are still in the in the uh, business of making money and growth and and achieving uh, their objectives against their mission, and so it's it's where you find that sweet spot between what is it that employees want and need in terms of their experience um, that will unlock their energy, remove friction in a way that allows them to do what they need to do against the required culture, against the business objectives to fulfill the mission and fulfill uh, business performance. I, I feel that, you know, we, we need to start talking more around that because as we, as we talked about over, over Starbucks in Vegas was that, I think the industry is trying to pit these buzzwords you know, or terms against one another, the experience versus engagement. And, you know, we all, we all know that actually it's experiences that drive engagement. You know, isn't, isn't there a lot of industry buzzword BS, this kind of experience engagement stuff? You know, what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, I, I think I'm a, you know, I also am not a fan of buzzwords. On the other hand, sometimes we, we need words that we can all, speak about and understand what we're talking about. So buzzwords sort of serve a place. It's just having a point of view that that's unique, having a point of view and actually, you know, a lot of detail behind what your approach is as it relates to a buzzword is what's what's key. So as far as the this engagement versus experience, I mean like like you said, it's the moments that matter. It's the smaller moments over time as you elevate, develop, inspire and connect people, right? That drives engagement, which ultimately defines and drives culture over time. So these things are, are, are absolutely connected. But the reason why there's this friction is engagement has historically been seen as this moment in time, right? And organizations would take that Polaroid, that snapshot, right? Every, every 12 months. 
and then act on that for 12 more months. And if you look, if you think about that, there's actually a lot of insanity in that, right? To say, we're going to take this single moment in time, this single experience, how everyone's feeling and make business decisions on that. And so now this idea of experience is, well, no, engagement is much more fluid, right? And it is made up of those smaller moments that matter. And so that is why our focus is much more around developing, um, listening, monitoring, building a strategy, building a, a continuous listening, a continuous dialogue approach to, to, to maintaining listening to employees over time and then ultimately deploying that. Um, and that creates experience, which drives engagement, which drives culture. So it's actually a very, um, it, it's just an evolving place. And we're very, very excited to be on, on the forefront. And we believe on the leading edge of, of employee experience solutions. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the reasons why there's, there's some confusion here is, you know, HR and the HR consulting community, I would say, you know, every 10 years likes to reinvent a new term. You know, it was satisfaction, then it was commitment, then it was engagement. Engagement kind of stuck around for a while. Um, I think engagement will always stick around. It's, a, it's an enduring concept. I think there is some confusion, whereas, it, you know, people are, might be saying, well, they've just sort of repackaged their engagement research. I, you know, I've seen a couple of the big HR consulting firms really just repackage uh, a set of engagement drivers and say, well, here's employee experience. And it's not really quite like that. I mean, it, it's not as simple as that. It, it gives you some cues on what might create a good employee experience and what what experiences might drive higher engagement. But as Dan was saying, I think it, what we're learning, at least from the, the customer experience research, is that thinking about the life cycle and, and various moments across the life cycle and which are those moments that matter and which are those experiences, the actual experiences that matter uh, that might make engagement go up or down uh, might tell you different things about what it's like to work at the, the organization and what might be driving value for the business or might be really getting in the way of value for the business. So I think you have to have a much more expansive view uh, than engagement. And, and I think experience and engagement are two separate concepts. Um, and so you have to be careful about um, if you if, if something looks like it was just engagement repackaged and, then, and now it's being called uh, experience, then, then I think something's, <laughs> something's amiss. Absolutely. So where, where do you think people are generally going wrong? <laughs> With their strategy, whether it be experience or engagement, you know, what are the common pitfalls that you're seeing that people are falling into? Yeah, you know, I, I would say one of the, the biggest failures organizations make is they forget about the, the strategy side of it, right? You just, they get into this active surveying mode um, yeah. and it becomes transactional, right? And if you're not intentional about, intentional about what you ask and when you ask it, it just becomes, you know, data for data's sake. So, you know, kind of back to, our, our value proposition is we know strategy is, is key in combination with scalable, simple, flexible technology. You have to have both. One doesn't exist way without the other if you're trying to drive success long, long term. So I think organizations sometimes take a left turn or a right turn. So let's say, well, let's just focus all on strategy, but let's use a crappy tech or let's just get a great self-service te technology and just start launching surveys and you know book close. Neither of those are going to achieve long-term success. So you have to have that blend. And I think organizations are, um, those that get it wrong, are not really thinking through the, the blend between the two. Yeah, I, I would add, you know, in the strategy work that we do, it's, it's a lot about, you know, don't get overexcited about a metric 
or a technology or a solution until you've really fully articulated the problem you're solving and the hypotheses that you have. And so, for example, in an employee experience, you may say, well, for where we are, our frontline salespeople are our most important segment to drive growth. And what are the experiences that matter for them that will free up their time to go talk to clients, to go uh, solution the right things? And what are the things that the experiences that are getting in the way? So, and if we don't know the answer to that, maybe we better go understand that. And so that means maybe you want to ask a different set of questions of them than just putting in an engagement pulse on repeat. Um, you might want to understand, well, what are the things that are important to you? What are, what's getting in the way? How can we stop doing that? Um, and then have a hypothesis about who's responsible for taking action and, and making improvements in this area. Um, that's a strategy. And then, yeah. then that will direct what you're going to measure and what actions you're going to take, not starting with a survey on repeat or technology that just sort of gets you in sort of a spin cycle mode. Yeah, you know, one thing I just add to that too, I think, you know, what we're seeing too is is there is sort of this um, this perception that you you can't that change t- make, takes a long time and an engagement um, rolling out an engagement survey or an employee experience strategy it's going to be years until you see actual outcome and I think that's actually very very false there there's um you know there's an opportunity to actually move very fast and and make changes very quickly and I think that that's really important for organizations to, un- to understand what things can they change tomorrow right when it comes to to experience and because when you start to break it down into some micro-sized bites right you can actually implement change quickly and once you do that you a movement can begin because now employees start to feel this change and they start to to believe and they start to become a part of the change in the organization and a part of the of, of the culture versus this kind of black box change that happens at a very high level behind the scenes so I think organizations need to understand you can move pretty quick with this. Um, we're in an age where you have to move pretty quick with this. So I think that would be another area. I think that's a really important point, though. The actual seeing is believing. So, you know, often all these surveys go into a market research black hole where, you know, they're asked for their opinions on a nonstop basis, but don't ever really see any change or told about what the company might do with their with actual ideas and opinions. So to be actually to small small actual items that people can see the impact of of what they're saying i think is a, a really really big step in get, gaining momentum in all this work yeah yeah at the end of the day it's all about action behavior change and doing this in a way that makes sense in terms of a cadence and a speed that you know that, i mean you'd ask you know sort of where are we getting engagement wrong i mean for years taking weeks to get data back and you know, maybe doing a traditional action planning process, which is really just a compliance exercise to fill out a form. And I, you know, I met with my team and we decided we, we would do these three things and I'll see you in 12 months. You know, that doesn't work. So the, the ability to get focused on, you said this, I now know what to do and, I, and I'm going to start working on it right now. And then to check on, did that work? It, you know, did, 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 we, did we make the progress that we needed to? It's, it's all about impact. And, and that's where we're focusing most of our efforts on uh, with the clients we're working with. I think this kind of leads me into the next question, really, because it's just bring that bring it to life. Is you know, do do you think there is a clear connection between the customer and employee experience, and and, and which one should get more focus, um, or, or should they both get equal focus? I think it's um, I, there's clearly a link. I mean, but uh, employees who are freed up 
to do what they need to do in service of customers, employees who are excited and passionate about their work, they're inspired, they're recognized, they're just going to deliver, whether it's direct or indirect contact with customers, there will be better outcomes uh, for, for customers. And our research proves this time and time again when we're, when we're working with uh, our clients. And, and um, so, I mean, in answer to your question, I think they both really need to have equal weight and, and increasingly a focus on uh, closing the white space between the two so that the, the folks doing the market and, and customer experience research are much more connected with the folks doing the employee experience research and, and interventions so that you can create that value chain in a much more uh, cohesive way. So that, that actually has a lot of implications for governance within organizations and how you, you set up these, these processes and, and agile processes that are connecting the two. Customers said they need this and employees have this impact. What do employees need to do to deliver that in a better way? And this is what managers now need to do to free that up and, and speeding that whole chain uh, of events up uh, is, is really a, a challenge, but I think the companies that do this well uh, will be the ones that win. Yeah, you know, I would, and I would just add to that. It's um, it's funny when when I um, meet with with CEOs or if I hear a CEO say, "Well, what if you ask, well, what's the number one most important thing in your business?" And if a CEO's answer is, "Well, it's our clients," I challenge that. Yeah, and I would say, well, "When's the last time you actually sat down and met with a client?" Because at the end of the day, it's your people who you are in charge of that are out there meeting meeting with, with clients. So you have to get that right. Like if you don't have your people strategy right, um, the you know the client satisfaction will 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 fall. Right? It's just it's just the nature of the of you know you you have to have an engaged, pumped up, excited, um, passionate workforce. And if you get that right. Then that that will that will be contagious to your clients. So absolutely, there there's a link, um, you know. And look, there are some organizations where you might have engage, engagement might be low and and client satisfaction might be high. So I'm not saying it, it's impossible to have to have one not being you know one being low, one being high. But at the end of the day, I mean, CEOs understand this now. It's about people first. That drives client satisfaction, client loyalty, and ultimately. It, organizations need to to build and have clients who are evangelists of their business right not just loyal not just satisfied but evangelists and, and if the only way to do that is to have incredible people who their clients want to work with over and over again and of course the product has to be great too but it's it does come down to it's all about yeah I, I i agree and i think more and more you know one of the big questions i'm always asked um when meeting people is how do I get buy-in? Uh, so I, I'm going to be throwing that back, throwing that back to you in a, in a second. But and how do I get uh, also the dollars, um, dollars to do it properly? Uh, and just taking the past five minutes of our conversation, you know, if looking at uh, getting feedback on experiences and acting upon them quickly, if, if there's one specific bad experience that's occurring within a, t- a team, whether that's customer facing, whether it be uh, customer service or sales, if you're able to act upon that one experience that might turn that whole team around, fix it, the impact on both the customer uh, experience and potential sales uh, reach as well could be massive. Um, and just by fixing that one one issue. Um, so the, the dollar return, the return on investment on actually doing this stuff it is, is huge because of the impact it has on the customer side. So 
I'm a huge advocate of it all starts in inside. You've got to focus on the people first and then everything else flows out of that. Um, but how, how, how would you recommend passionate people who want to improve the experience in their workplace to, to drive business performance? How, how, would you, how would they go get the buy-in from leadership? What do they need to say? What do they need to prove? You know, I think you, you gave a couple hints. I mean, I, we would recommend starting with what, you know, the business strategy um, and engaging in conversation. I mean, this is sort of like, sounds obvious when you say it, but you'd be surprised how infrequently it, it might happen, which is engage in some conversations with the executive team up front about the, the business strategy. And uh, so if it is a customer focused strategy, or if we're trying to drive an agile culture to support our innovation strategy, whatever it may be, and then asking some questions, well, what's it going to take to drive this customer value or drive greater innovation? And who are the segments of the employee population that really matter to this? And what's the culture that we would create if we were really doing this well? And, and what would the experiences be that would bring that culture to life that would connect to better customer experiences to greater innovation? Um, and, and you can actually start to quantify that in, in terms of financial terms, but it's also will be where the executives naturally want to go uh, in terms of business value and, and will want to go in terms of that connection between employee experience and business value. And that will give you the, the organizational tailwinds uh, to move along. And I think also by focusing and not boiling the ocean, it will also help you, as you said, you know, you start with one, uh, you show some meaningful impact and you, oh yeah, we freed up uh, the sales force and the, the marketing folks to, to really drive great customer value. And then that yielded this sort of financial impact or we really sped up our innovation pipeline and that had this sort of financial impact that that will then say, give you uh, the tailwinds to keep going um, and, and move on to the next one that, that is about creating value. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think um, one, one thing that, that organizations um, you know, need, need to do more effectively is, is um, understand what's unique about their culture. And so, for example, we're working with, with, with a client um, that they grew by acquisition. So there's hundreds of parts of, of the business um, that are in, critical to, to the success and, and the organizational um, and, and performance success. So it's, it's okay to say, look, there are certain entities and parts of the company that are different and we want to keep it, to keep them different, but there are global things that need to be consistent. So when you think about experience, um, you know, when you have these, these higher level strategic conversations at an executive level, it's okay to, to say, well, what, what makes us tick? Um, and it doesn't mean we have to have, have consistency across everything we do, let's recognize that this part of the business needs to remain a little bit more isolated. And that's okay if that's a part of your strategy. Just make sure you have the conversation and then get it right um, when it comes to the moments that matter. And then understand, well, what are, what's the global consistency that's important for all of the business units? And I'm talking about a very decentralized, you know, acquisition-grown company right, right now. Um, and so I think it's just having that conversation. There's never a one-size-fits-all strategy. Like we're never going to walk into a client and say, "Here's a two-page plan about what you need to do." Before we ask questions and understand who they are, why they exist, who they want to be when they grow up, right? Where do they want to be in three years, five years, eight years, ten years? These are critical parts of of the of the long-term strategy conversation. 
and you, you, you see the theme that comes up over and over again here is got to get the strategy right. Because without that, it's just, it's just going to, you know, you're going to be fumbling. Just disparate initiatives. Um, so, you know, we're really excited because we've got Ken and Dan uh, speaking in New York in June next year. Um, and we'll have more information about what they're, what they're going to be talking around. And I think it would be great to get some questions into them ahead of time too. But looking forward to 2020 and beyond, is anything going to change? Um, you know, is, or is there going to be slight slight tweaks, but just mainly focusing on strategy and, and, and the experience? Um, where do you see the industry going, if anywhere? I, I think with employee experience, um, I, one of the things that we're seeing is a, is a convergence and integration. That that seems to be um, one of the key trends that I, I don't think is going to go away. And I, like what I mean by this is you'll hear people talking about culture, engagement, employee experience, inclusion, feedback culture, agility, almost in the same sentence. And I think that that's because people are really wrestling with these these concepts that are, that all have validity, right? Which is, you know, we're, we've been struggling with, well, the once a year survey wasn't enough. Culture and engagement actually have a feedback loop and that culture can engage or disengage and what people are engaging in can create a culture um, and how will this engagement and the culture show up across different experiences and moments that matter and, and do those experiences uh, in turn create the culture that you're trying to uh, to create for your business and for your customers and, and for organizational success. So I think we'll continue to see this and, and, and see more attention to, to making sense of it um, because it's all a valid sense of conversion and, and integration. The other thing that I think we'll see is that uh, organizations recognizing that this is a lot bigger than a survey or a technology implementation and maybe slow down on some of that a bit. Like, hey, before we start throwing 20 new digital apps at people, let's take a step back and recognize the sheer fact. And, and this is the thing is like, this is not about HR technology. This is not even about HR. If you're going to do employee experience right, the fundamental prerequisite core concept is that this is employee centric. Yeah. What do they want? What do they need? What is it that's going to make them better? And, and throwing a bunch of tech at them probably is not going to make it make them better or throwing surveys on repeat at them is probably not going to make them better or create a better experience. So I think there will be a bit of like stepping back and figuring out how to do this right while we're trying to integrate these concepts, which is no small task, but it, it seems pretty clear that companies are, are getting very serious about this. Yeah. You know, and I would just add to that. I, I think you know, historically engagement was, was, you know, very model focused and, and, you know, again, like, as I mentioned, was these bigger um, events, right, that would happen w once a year, then I think we started to move almost, we, we rebelled against that, the industry did, and, and, and vendors and, and tech companies, um, which we love, but came in and almost went to, they went too far. It's like, well, no, we need to be always on, we need to survey, survey, survey. So sometimes you can go too far, right? And, and you, and so I think what happened is we kind of had the, it got became very polarized. So now I think in 2020, and we're going to start to reset a little bit in the middle, in that middle lane of that combination right, between strategy and tech. And I, and I, and I think so. You have to get both right again. And I think we're also going to see technology that is much more 
user centric, right? It's going it's going to be useful for the employee, right? When when you come into a platform, it needs to know what are the two or three things you need to do. It needs to be, you know, and that's where you start to leverage AI. You start to leverage personas, um, and so it's going to make it very easy to get the job done. Or if you're a manager, or if you're you're um, in HR, you'll have the complexity needed in HR, and you'll have the simplicity needed as an employee. Um, so I think we're we're going to see that type of, of transformational change and, and not just transition to new tech and faster and more, but more thoughtful, um, really high value technology and strategy working together. Yeah, you know, that, that last concept, Dan, I mean, we, we talk so much, obviously, about this with our own technology platform and the design thinking sessions we're doing with employees and managers. And what we keep hearing are these concepts of easy, simple, guided, proactive, right? So look, in our uh, tech platform for pulsing that, you know, what we have is a simple answer, some simple questions like, what is the experience? How, how satisfied or engaged are people with this particular experience? What needs to be done? And then what do I have to do if I'm the manager? And so we're starting to you know, pro proactively push text comments through NLP to the manager um, so, so they can start acting quickly because I mean, one of the other things we know is that employee experience is not going to get better by someone sitting head down in a technology app that gets better by them acting and managers don't want to be in technology all day long, but they do want to know the insights and they want some nudges on what they should do about it. So, the, you know, these are the things that we're spending so much time on uh, with our own technology platform we're delivering to clients. Yeah, I, I, I think I think you're right. I think it's I think people have they've almost been brought to the attention of engagement via these shiny tech items. Um, at, you know, they had, had a survey and then got brought into the, the term engagement, and they're realizing that actually just surveying and having an app on the phone uh, isn't ticking any boxes, and, and and it never would do unless you have the proper uh, strategy. And I think the the mindset shift to a people people first business um actually we're going to actually put the people at the core of this rather than uh focus just on the customer i think there has to be a total mindset shift because it, you know i love hr tech and hr tech was awesome for many many reasons and i'll be going there every year um but if you look at all that technology in that room and then you then marry that up against apparently how disengaged the world of work is it's obviously, something's obviously fall, falling between the cracks isn't it so I think uh, more and more people are going, actually, this is much bigger than uh, a score or a number uh, or churn. It's actually, we need to change our business. And that ch starts at the top. And, uh, and and we need a total shift in mindset about how we approach our people. Uh, and, and, and it doesn't have to be complicated either. Uh, I think that's another thing people are starting to realise. These, these elements are quite, quite straightforward and they're doing them externally already. Um, so I'm excited by what's coming. Uh, and talking with, with people like yourself, I think will hopefully drive things forward a bit too. Yeah, you know, one, one funny, um, something I was thinking about too, specific to the last HR Tech Conference where, where we met. Um, you know, I've also been going, I think, 12 years in a row now. I haven't missed a single conference. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, one just big change that you're seeing is it used to be a very, very, features functionality um you know base conference so when you would walk walk by vendors in the expo hall it, it, you would read you know 
what they do, but not why they do what they do. Right now, yeah. now when you're walking through, you actually get a, you know, from the, so you see the mission statement and the value they ultimately provide businesses um, and not so much the features that they provide. And, and so I think we've really seen a, a shift in HR when thinking about technology more in a holistic way and, and actually what, right. what it provides your organization, organization and what it provides your people and not just how it does it. So, um, and I'm very pleased to see that personally, because I think we, that's how we need to think about technology is not so much the cool features and the widgets and the gadgets, but ultimately the value that it serves as it works to drive business performance. And that's, that's probably being driven by the consumer, I guess, the people within these organizations, which is, which is a good thing to, to, to see, I suppose. Absolutely. I think that's right. I mean, I, I think the next frontier really is going to be about, um, HR function effectiveness, capability, and capacity to do what needs to be done. Because I think the tech will just get better and better. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think we've seen a single company who's been really successful at this that didn't combine the technology with some pretty intense uh, change management, making sure their HR function was aligned, that they were freeing up capacity, both in terms of HR VPs. Um, and build and managers and building what you had said, Matt, which was this mindset shift, which is much, you know, getting much more employee centric. What do you need to free you up, to free up your energy? What's in the way? How can we remove that? And, and many times the strategy is actually taking stuff away. It's not implementing more. It's taking stuff away to just free up time. And obviously the big benefit of all this is actually allowing um, people to, to, to interact more on a human basis uh the better tech you have you can remove uh different uh automated processes and uh, within the organizations that allows allow people to connect on a, on a more um peer-to-peer -peer level i suppose on a day-to-day -day basis which i think then has a, a load of different uh impacts positive impacts too but um I've just looked at the time, and uh, I think it's only fair with three of us on the podcast that this becomes the record longest podcast we've had. And I could, I feel like we can now go off into an hour-long conversation around the merits of technology. Um, but uh, I think we'll have to uh, keep you back for till June, at the June 11 in New York at our conference. So um, have you got anything else to add about uh, next year uh, before we say goodbye? I think we've, we've, we've covered it. I, I, you know, it's... Uh... It's been great being here. I, I do think it's going to be a very exciting year uh, and probably the years after that to come uh, as technology uh, more focus on being a human connection at work, uh, delivering greater value both to employees, to customers, to the business, uh, continue to accelerate. I think it's going to be very, very exciting times uh, ahead. Yeah, uh, I would 100% agree. And I would just uh, suggest any, anyone out there right now who's, who listens to this and is thinking about their employee experience strategy, you know, like Ken had mentioned earlier too, you just have to sit down, have conversations. You got to get the mindset right. You need to lock arms as, as a leadership team. Take small chunks, you know, you know don't build a three-year plan. <laughs> be agile about it. Be willing to, 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 and it's cliche, but if something's not working, fail quickly. Pick yourself up, change. Um, I think that this is this is the age we, we live in. The the eighteen month implementations are a thing of the past. Um, you have to move fast, um, and uh, yeah, and have fun. I mean, it's just an incredible space to be in right right now. This talent space is so exciting, and as, as you all know, I mean, there's so much 
an acquisition happening and so much, so much um, money that's being pumped into it because everybody knows this is such an important and exciting and invigorating space to be in. So um, we love it and uh, we look forward to talking to everyone next year. I hear um, uh, fail fast and fail often, uh, and I think I think I'm going to put it on my wall. I think <laughs> it's a it's a, it's a great it's a great piece of advice. I think, and uh, hopefully businesses allow these people to to fail fast and fail often and, and keep improving uh, internally. So, um, right. Well, as I said, um, tickets are on sale for our conference in June uh, next year. Uh, selling well, and we're back in Tribeca. Really looking forward to. It. We'll have Ken and Dan as well as. Uh, many winners from this year presenting their case studies or updated stories about what what a good people-centric business looks like, whether it be via the lens of diversity or culture or internal communications. Um, so if you go to our website, e-awards.com, you can buy your tickets now. Uh, we're actually announcing our UK and European finalists next week. Very exciting with the gala dinner in London on Jan 23rd, 2020, and our, our conference with those finalists, those finalists uh, in, in London on April the 1st, 2020. So a very busy end to the year uh, and a, a really exciting 2020 ahead. Lots of uh, exciting updates coming from us, but they are remaining top secret for now. Uh, and we'll let you know um, mid, mid next year what they are. So anyway, thanks thanks for now to our guests, Ken and Dan. Thank you very much. Great. Thanks so much, Matt. Thank you, Matt. And uh, we will see you all again soon. Thank you. Take care.